birthday last weekend. Uh, and I, I wanted to, I just wanted to thank you for all of you that uh, were a part of Serve Sunday last weekend. Thank you for being a part of it. Um, and, you know, last weekend will probably be one of those like moments in time that for those of us that were here and you were part of that, uh, you probably will never forget that. Um, uh, in case you weren't or in case you, you don't live in the immediate community, you may not know what has gone on and transpired. But last weekend, uh, we found out overnight, uh, that Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, that there was a young man missing and um, the authorities were asking for our help. Um, I truly believe it was no accident uh, that we just happened to be having Serve Sunday on that day. Uh, and, uh, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you that came uh, and were willing to serve because many, of, many folks ended up uh, helping uh, with that search. It was actually some of, some of our men that found the young man, unfortunately deceased. Uh, and um, and you know, in, in the wake of all of that, I, I really, that night, I really wanted to like post something about just how grateful I was, but uh, it just wasn't the right timing and, and just out of... Um, just trying to be sensitive to the moment and to the family and to everybody in that in that moment. Uh, what I wanted to say was this: um, that Sunday morning, uh, I, I was I was also out at that family's property along with a bunch of you. That Sunday morning, everywhere I looked, at every single moment throughout that entire thing. I saw people from this body of believers. I saw people from this church loving on that family, searching for that young man, helping with logistical things, whatever it was. I mean, it didn't matter. And, and, and I'm talking about, uh, we, and, and what a lot of people don't know is we had, we had some of our guys out there in the middle of the night literally searching all night. Um, and then a bunch, obviously, that joined in the search Sunday morning. And then, uh, I mean, just with, with all of it, uh, I mean, it just, it was amazing to me. And, and as a pastor, and especially as a, a planting pastor who planted a church once upon a time here, uh, that when we planted this church, that I had this hope and dream that we would be a church who wasn't just in the community, but was a part of the community uh, on Sunday morning of last week, when I saw our people uh, literally in, in every aspect of what was going on, I, I, I saw God at work. I saw God at work in, in, a, in a terrible moment of tragedy. I saw God working through this church, through this body of believers, as a body of believers that doesn't just exist in a community, but is a part of it and wants to minister to it and be Jesus to it. Uh, and that was just awesome. It was just an it was an awesome moment for me. Uh, I, I just I just I walked away from that day, although very brokenhearted and hurt, like many of you were, uh, because it wasn't the outcome we had hoped for. I walked away proud of the people of God that He has put together, uh, that is known as Twenty Four Church. And so, uh, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for serving. You know, while, while there were a ton of us out there doing that, there were so many others, like at Michael's house there that you just saw painting and weeding and all these kinds of things, uh, just helping others. I mean, just all over the place, doing all sorts of stuff. And so um, I'll just remind you, I know, that, I know that days like Serve Sunday, you might say, you know, let's just lay out a church, let's don't go. I, I just encourage you, these are great Huge. I don't think we realize how huge the opportunities are that we are able to go and be Jesus visually for this community to be able to see that. It's a huge thing. It's a huge, huge thing. So anyway, just and, and, and here's the deal. We, we all know it's not just about Serve Sundays. We're, we're called to serve others and love others all the time, but that's an opportunity for us to practice it together. But it's also an opportunity for us to, uh, like it or not, make an impact in number together. And there's something about when you send that many people out uh, to go serve others, um, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. And, and the great part about it is, is our people, and I hope this is always the case, I pray that it is, it's, that it's not about us as a church, and it's not about us ourselves, but it's about God and what he's done in us and the opportunity that we have to glorify him. So um, anyway, thank you so much for, for being a part 
of, uh, of last weekend. So that's pretty cool stuff uh, in the midst of not cool stuff. So, um, so uh, yeah, so today we're, we're continuing on uh, in our misconceptions series. A uh, uh, lot of things coming up. Uh, this week. Uh, we've got a few things coming up. They'll be talking about some of that in announcements uh, and whatnot. Um, Andrew is supposed to make it to a Predators game this week, I think. Uh, if you missed out on that, Andrew, drummer Andrew, was the one who missed the Predators tickets for the Stanley Cup stuff. And so anyway, that was fun, by the way. We did, uh, uh, when I left uh, from helping with the situation here last weekend, uh, we went up and helped the Normans with their block party. And, uh, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, there's like a couple people that I met and they had Predators shirts on. So I'm like, hey, you Preds fan? Yeah, you know, we're talking Pred stuff. And, and Andrew and them live in that neighborhood as well. So they were there eating with us and stuff too. So I was like, hey, is that guy right there? They'd be like, yeah. That's the guy that didn't get the tickets, but like a month later found out the message that he had won Stanley Cup. Oh, no, you got to be kidding me. So like, I think Andrew's going to be like a, uh, you know, local neighborhood celebrity or something now up there. Also, I hadn't told him this, but the Tennessean called me this week and were like, hey, because uh, Andrew has helped me with my side business at times. And they were like, hey, we're looking for this Andrew Fudge. We see that he works for you, but we don't have a contact number for him. I don't know where how they figured that much out, uh, but they did. And, um, and I said, oh yeah, you need us. Yeah. We want to talk to him about this Pred stuff. It's coming up and everything. And I said, okay. And, uh, so we're on the phone and just random guy or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, well, here's his number. And I gave him the number and he's like, man, thank you. I said, Hey, you want one more little nugget of joy? And he's like, and you know, it's a reporter, <laughs> you know, he's like, of course I do. And I said, Patsy Klein's grandson, and it was silence, and he was like, you are kidding me, and I was like, nope, <laughs> so you're welcome, Andrew, wherever you are, we'll see if that comes out in the paper this week or not, oh, me, so fun stuff, uh, hey, this is kind of a side note, and I forgot to mention this earlier to the, to the early crowd, but uh, if you don't mind, you can pray for me this week, this week's the week that uh, for the side business, I'm going and doing one of these shows, uh, and this is the one that they've asked me to speak at. And so, I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm not even sure what I'm speaking about uh, yet, but uh, my, my prayer is, um, first of all, I'm not sure who's going to come listen, but I, I, my prayer is, uh, I already know, I have a, a lot of friends who do not believe in the Lord uh, that are going to be there, and if nothing else, be in the room to hang out because we're friends, and then there's probably, I'm sure, other people that will be in there that they're coming to hear me talk about chrome or hot rods or pinball machines or whatever it is. In uh, my prayers, I want to make much of Jesus. Um, and I'm not sure what that looks like specifically, but uh, that's, that's, that's on my heart. And, and so uh, you can pray for me. That's next Saturday. I'll be doing that next Saturday around noon or so. So if you think of it, feel free to pray for me. I'd appreciate that. That would be awesome. Um, so let's jump into the misconception of the day. All right, get your Bible out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, and they will bring you one. And if you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to have it. And uh, today, our misconception is one that uh, is, is pretty rampant, to be honest with you. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's one that we see a lot. We see a lot uh, uh, with TV preachers and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, and, and I think I want, I want folks to, to know, before I even get into this, my interest here is not in bashing TV preachers, but my interest is in bashing a false gospel. Okay, and I, and I hope that you hear what I'm saying with that. Now, Paul, if he was alive today, he might come at this and he'd probably just call them all out. And I may call one or two of them out too before it's over with. I did in the first service. So you just never know. And that's, you know, again, I, I, don't, I don't come like, oh, Chris thinks he's got it all together. Chris is the perfect preacher and he thinks his theology is perfect and he's got it all figured out. I, I don't come that way, okay? I, I can just tell you there's plenty of things I don't understand uh, at times about uh, faith in the Lord and I'm constantly learning and seeking him and that's just part of the process. It's the process of sanctification, and, and I trust in that. But um, anyway, uh, the reasons why 
the main reason why that we are studying these misconceptions, and I hope that you're getting this through throughout each one of these messages that we've done, and I've had a lot of you talk to me about these messages, is that when we misunderstand a piece about who we think God is, then we are misunderstanding God himself. And, and that's, that's of concern for me. You know, if, if we believe, you know, it's like some of the ones that we've talked about in weeks past, uh, uh, God only helps those who help themselves, then everybody, <laughs> if that's true, everybody's messed up and there is no hope, just go home. Okay, let's shut the doors because uh, if it's about what we can do for ourselves, we're jacked. Uh, we needed God to intervene and send his son Jesus to do something we couldn't do for ourselves. The entire gospel is based on the fact that we couldn't do it and we needed him to do it. Um, furthermore, any, any of the other misconceptions we've been talking about, just in general, they change who we see God is if we believe these unbiblical things that a lot of people think are biblical things. And so that, that's the reason for, that's the real reason for looking at these things. And it's the real reason and understanding why we, we need to have good theology. Uh, because if we don't, if we just, you know, take a, you know, take a, a, a saying like the one that I just said or any of these others, and we just say, oh, well, that's, uh, you know, that's in the Bible. You know, what is it? Is it in the Bible? I mean, well, let's, let's look at it. Is it in the Bible? So then that's why we're, that's why we're doing this. Uh, we don't want to believe things that are not true, especially about who God is uh, and our understanding of who God is. And so um, that's, that's, that's where we've been and that's where we're going, and today's no different. Today... The, uh, the, the, the uh, misconception uh, is uh, formally known as the prosperity gospel. And, and, and maybe to put it in other words for you, maybe a saying like this, the more you give, the more you get. The more you give, the more you get. So, you know, you, that's, that's the kind of thing that you might hear somebody say, well, you know, the more you give God, the more you're going to give back. I mean, that sounds nice, doesn't it? You know, well, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm really going to buckle down and sacrifice. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to give God my all, and, and then I'll get back a bunch, you know? Well, we just turned God into like an investment manager, you know? It's like, oh, okay, God's like our 401k, uh, you know, and, and, and that's not the way it works. In fact, Scripture doesn't, Scripture doesn't teach us that. Uh, but it is something that is widely taught, and there's some reasons why it's widely taught. And I want us to talk about those things today, and see what Scripture says today. Um, this is this is an issue. This is a real serious issue. That you know, there have been times in my life, and, and there still are, where you know, I can you can kind of laugh off almost the absurdity of some of these pastors that teach this stuff, and you especially see this with like a lot of guys that are on TV and that kind of thing, um, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, they got funny hair and they tell weird stories, and at the end of the day, it's kind of like this pat you on the back and make you feel good about yourself, kind of, you know, like this is how to have a, a better life or whatever, you know, kind of junk it is, you know, Joel Osteen or whoever. Um, you know, and, and, and the trouble with it is there is... There is mixed in some good stuff, you know, some very biblical stuff, but then, then you have this piece, this prosperity gospel piece of like, the more you give, the more you get. And a lot of people go, well, it's not really that big a deal that they do that because the other stuff kind of, you know, it kind of balances out or, or whatever, but, but I, I'm making an argument today that it matters and it's changing who we see God is if we're listening to it and believing it. I mean, it just is. It just, it's changing who God is. And, and, and I don't want to change God for who he is. I want us to see God for who he has told us he is. That's, that's really important for us today. And so that's the reason that we're looking at this today. Again, not because I feel like going on a rampage and just 
you know, beating some of these guys up who I don't even know or whatever. Uh, and, and I think many of them are well-meaning people and they probably believe these things maybe. I don't know. Sometimes I think some of them probably don't believe it and they are just shysters. And uh, Paul talks about that in Scripture and they're just modern-day uh, false prophets. And, and, there's, and there's no doubt those people exist. We see that in Scripture. Um, and Scripture is what we've got to go on to know those people any different than another. And so uh, that, that's the purpose in looking at this again. So anyway, uh, let's look at this. Let's, put, let's pull out Scripture and, and, and see what it says. First uh, Timothy, First Timothy 6 specifically, First Timothy 6 verse 6 um, says this. It says, but godliness with contentment is great pain, great, great gain, sorry, that really, really changed the passage right there, wouldn't it? It's like, wow, man, we've got a lot, of, a lot of suffering coming. We do, so that's part of it too. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing... With these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. By the way, that's a misconception. A lot of people say the love of money is the root of all evil. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this, see the word that Paul uses here, craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So this, this is an important passage for us to look at in light of the prosperity gospel, the idea that the more you get, the more you give, the more you get kind of thing, because this, this, is, a, this is a warning for us. Paul is warning us. Paul was warning Timothy. He was warning Timothy, and he's saying, share this with people. You know, this is a warning. And, and the warning, if you, if you look at it, it's surrounding money, surrounding money. Now, the idea that, uh, that the prosperity teaching get, tries to put, pe- put in people's heads is the idea that God wants you to be rich. Now, we, we, that's a that's great, isn't it? That's a lot, man, we'd love to be, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to be rich, oh that's awesome, you know? Well, there is some truth to that, but it is misconstrued when being taught in a way understood by the way many of us te- uh, have heard it and have, many have believed it. Uh, and we'll talk about in just a few minutes where, where that really does come into play and where that really is true for us. Uh, because we need, to, we need to have proper understanding of what Scripture says when it comes to this. Because otherwise, Scripture is constantly coming at us and constantly warning us about money. Paul says it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Through this craving. So, you know, this is, a, this is again, this is a warning. And, and Paul's saying, you know, to the early church, he's like, look, you got to be careful with money. you got to be careful with it because for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. If our life is about money, then we will miss a lot of things. This will interrupt a lot of things that, that God is calling us to in this life and that kind of thing. So, so money is one of these. So, so if somebody is teaching that God wants you to be rich, but then all of Scripture is, is over and over again warning about money. And, 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 and let, me give you, let me give you another example. So Jesus teaches, and we, maybe you've heard this one before, Jesus teaches that it is easier for a, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a sobering statement when we think about it. Folks, I'll tell you, that's a sobering statement for us to think about, especially when we live in America, which we know is, you know, whether, whether we are, you know, really doing well at paying the bills or not, for the most part, we're rich people. We live in a rich land. We are a rich people. You may not feel that way because the CEMC bill is like completely depleting your account, but let's just face it, you're also paying a cable bill and a 
of this bill and you, you know, ate Mexican 10 times last week or whatever it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all relative to a lot of decisions that we make a lot of times with our money. So our understanding that money is such a big deal, that this is, this is a warning over and over, that riches are dangerous things for us. They're dangerous things for us. And for many people, they are literally a curse. They're literally a curse. They become a curse. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever seen like the, the shows where they go and interview the people that have won the lottery. You ever seen those shows? Those, some of those people, poor people, man, I mean, like literally, they've gone from rich, you know, becoming rich to being back to being poor people. Um, you know, and, and it was a curse, been a curse for many of those people. And they'll tell you that. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's outlook and not knowing how to deal with it, not knowing how to, how to manage it or whatever it is. But Luke, Luke 16, 13 says this. It says, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. So what, so what is it in this world that's, that's getting you up in the morning? Is it, is it money or is it the mission that God has put you on that day that you have the opportunity to go and be Jesus into this world? Now, money in of itself is not bad, okay? Uh, don't, let me clear the air on that. You know, I'm not, not coming at you today and saying, oh, you know, money is bad, money is terrible. No, no, no. No, it's not sinful to have money. It's not even sinful to have a lot of money. It's sinful to want to keep a lot of it. When it becomes our God, when it becomes our motivator, when it becomes what we're living for, that's usually a good indication for us that it's become something that it's not supposed to be. Here's a problem with the prosperity gospel. A problem with the prosperity gospel, the idea that you give more than you get, uh, the more you give, the more you get, is this. When you reverse engineer it, it turns some things on its head. It changes the way we look at it, and, and I hope that it does that for you this morning. Because based on that principle, if you turn it backwards and you see what it says, it basically shows us that are poor, that don't have a lot of money, well, that must mean that you're not very godly. So if you don't have money, if you're poor, does that mean you, you don't love the Lord like somebody that has a lot of money? I mean, is that true? I don't think that's true. We know that's not true. Scripture doesn't teach that. But that's what a lot of people are led to believe because that's, that's the road that that goes down. Furthermore, it is an enemy, the prosperity gospel is an enemy to suffering. And you may, you may be like sitting here today and going, Chris, I'm kind of an enemy to suffering. I don't really, you know, I don't really like it. I don't love suffering. But uh, let me help us to understand something. We see suffering all through scripture, even if we don't like it. We see suffering all through scripture as something that God uses for his glory in our lives. Case in point, 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Acts 14, 21. Last part of it says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, 8. Philippians 3, 8 says, indeed, and this is, a great, this is a great passage for this, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ." Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, here you go, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul is talking from experience that in this moment, as he's writing this in jail, in prison, for preaching Jesus, by the way, um, that he's saying, I have lost all things. He's, he's, he's talking from experience and saying, this is something real for me. I've lost all things, and I'm speaking from experience that I count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He recognizes, he recognizes something about the stuff, 
that sometimes I think is hard for us to recognize. Sometimes it's hard for us to get a grip on and, and get a handle on because we are so driven by our stuff. Based on the prosperity gospel, we would be led to believe that our suffering is in vain. You won't hear those guys talk about suffering much. That's not something they want to talk about. Some of them don't even like to talk about the blood of Jesus. I mean, and I, and I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, think I've ever, I don't think I've ever preached a message where I haven't talked about the blood of Jesus. I don't know how you get around talking about the blood of Jesus. You know, the understanding that suffering is a part of our lives is not to be Debbie Downer for us. It's for us to see and understand that God can take anything that we go through, no matter how crazy, no matter how bad, no matter how horrible it was, and he can redeem it for his glory. He can redeem it for his glory. So let's just say something awful happened to you in your life. And, you know, I mean, we live in a, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. So there's all kinds of stuff going on around us, things that we can't control, people making bad decisions, whatever it is. And at the end of the day, those things affect us. And then, and then we're left like, what, you know, what's going on? What's, what's up, God? Well, you know, we have this understanding, especially from what Paul is helping us to see here, that he counts everything as lost, but the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. When we suffer, when we suffer, we are reminded of Christ's suffering. We are reminded of what he's done for us. And we are also reminded that it is not in vain. That whatever we go through, we go through with purpose that God will want to use those things. He will allow those things to happen that he may be glorified by them. So the prosperity gospel leads us to believing some things that if we get some clarity on them, that we see them for what they are. I want to share just a few of these things with you, such as it's using God versus God using us and wanting to work through us for his glory. You, you, I hope you see this. So like we've got using God versus him using us. The prosperity gospel is let's treat God like an ATM and let's go and let's, let's give and give and like hope that the, that the 401k God will you know, turn around and give us like something amazing in return and make us millionaires or whatever uh, versus the relationship we have with, over, with God over here is the allowing God to use us and work through us that this world might see Christ in us. You see, those are two completely different things. One is, one is obviously completely selfish. It's a completely selfish approach to the Lord. And the, and the other is a humbling. I'm going to humble myself before God and allow him to use me to do the things that he wants me to do while I'm alive on this planet. So another one of these things is it ranks people by our wealth, the prosperity gospel ranks people by their wealth. So it, 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 it leaves this taste in our mouth of, well, if you're rich, then God must really love you. Or like so many other people in this world, and you see where this trickles down into our theology, which, which changes how we see who God is. And that's where I want us to really see the importance of understanding this for what it really is, is it comes out in, in ways like, well, we're going through some really awful things right now, so I guess God must really hate us. We must have done some things that, that, that made God really mad. I had somebody say that to me a few weeks ago. Somebody that's part of our church. And they're really struggling and going through something. They're like, I think God's just really mad at us about stuff. Where we've just not done this. We've just not. And I said, stop, stop, stop. Okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. He loves you. He loves us, and he loves us in the middle of our suffering. 
He loves us whether we have money in the bank or we don't. God's love is unconditional and never-ending. And he's pursuing us when we're not pursuing him. That's who he is. And he's... And, and, and just to throw a trump card in on top of all that, he's never changing. He's, he's always that. He's always that way. That's never, never going to change. So the prosperity gospel is something that if we were to believe that uh, the rich people are the more godly people, well, guess again, that's, that's not true. That's just BS. Furthermore, the prosperity gospel prays on the poor. It preys on the poor. You take this to another country. Let's say you take this to Africa. And you've got poverty that none of us even know exists. And you take that into a situation and they see us come in. Let's, let's, let's take this even further. Let's say they see a preacher come in and he, they've seen him on TV, and he flies in on his own plane, and he gets there, and they're in poverty, and they see him as what? Rich. So they look at this guy who's talking about God, and he's talking about Jesus, and apparently he's got something figured out. It's called a, it's called a scam, by the way. Um, and he gets there, and he tells them, if you'll continue to give... The more you give, the more you're going to get. Well, what are they going to do? They're, they're going to give. Oh, we, oh, the rich preacher man from America who's got it all figured out, we got to do what he says to do, so then we're going to buy into it too. Which unfortunately doesn't just break people financially and that kind of thing, but unfortunately it leads them to believe differently of who God really is. We can't buy what God has already given us. God's already loved us. God's already sent Jesus for us. We're not, we're not getting more you know, love or more. I mean, it, God's already done what he wants to do for us. So those, those lies manipulate people in situations like that, which, which is a terrible thing. Terrible thing. It's an awful thing. And, and, and putting the face of our Jesus on it. And so you can see why I might have an issue with it. I hope you have an issue with it because this is changing who they see God to be. And it's, can, again, you go back to some of these other statements. Well, well, we're suffering or we're poor, so we must not be loved by God enough. We must have not done enough. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he has already done through his son, Jesus. The prosperity gospel puts the faith on us for us to see if we can make something happen. So if I can have enough faith, then God will come through. That's what's going to happen. I mean, again, it's just, a, it's just another, it's another misconception. It's another misconstrued part of scripture of taking something that's partially true and taking it and trying to make it about ourselves. What would it look like? And by the way, here's a Bible verse for that. Uh, if, if we're praying and we're really praying as Christ instructed us to pray, that his will be done. Not can I have enough faith to make something happen that I want to happen, but his will be done. What would it look like for us as believers to get on the roller coaster of Jesus, okay, and just be willing to ride the ride and not know where the track is going to take us? You know what I'm saying? So one of my favorite things in student ministry when I was a youth pastor um, was taking kids to theme parks. We'd go to theme parks. Man, it was like it's just it's stuff like that about youth ministry, like you can't not dislike you know, youth ministry because you get to do stuff like that. And we'd go to theme parks. I took kids to theme parks all over the world. Um, and the, in fact, the last one we went to was Sandusky, Ohio, to a, the, uh, theater, a theme park up there called Cedar Point. It's like one of the greatest roller coaster parks in the world. Uh, I've got amazing roller coasters, cool stuff. It's an old park too, so it's got a lot of old stuff. 
Um, and uh, that was 13 years ago, like a month ago or something, uh, that we did. That was the last hurrah that I had in student ministry. We took two charter buses full of teenagers uh, to, uh, to Sandusky, Ohio from Memphis. So the year before that, we went to Kings Island. And my wife hates roller coasters. I mean, she hates them, you know? And so, like, we'd go on these trips, and I'm spending most of my time, like, trying to talk her into going on something. Like, come on, let's go. And we didn't have kids back then. It wasn't because wasn't she had to, like, hold a kid or nurse a kid or something crazy. You know, we didn't have any kids. So we'd be like, I'd be like, come on, let's, let's ride this roller coaster. No, I don't want to ride that, you know? Why not? Well, I mean, look at it. It's loop-de-loops, and it's doing that, and it's doing this. It goes underwater and drowns people or something. I don't know. <coughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? So at Kings Island, yeah. So at Kings Island, uh, which is in Cincinnati, we went to that park. That's a great park too. And they had some. They have great roller coasters. And they had. I noticed that they had this one that was a little more calmed down than like Beast and Son of Beast and some of these others. You know, they. But there was like this other one that like. You know, you could tell they just like repainted the whole thing. You know, but it was again, it was a calmer roller coaster, but it was a wooden roller coaster, right? And they've got a lot of wooden roller coasters at Kings Island. Well, this particular one, again, a calmer, you know, type deal. But it was, you know, it was fairly tall and some of that. And I noticed something about it earlier in the day that I knew she hadn't noticed. And I was like, hey, why don't we go on this one? I think this will be a good one to go on because it's, it's no loop-de-loops. And it's, you know, it's an older coaster. I mean, it's probably not gonna, even going to go that fast and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I finally talk her into it and we get on it. And it starts moving. And that thing that I had noticed that I knew she hadn't, she looks at me and she's like, it's going backwards. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. And so we go. And she will, to this day, never get on a roller coaster with me since Kings Island. Like, we went to Cedar Point, she never stepped foot on a roller coaster. You know, so, but yeah, you know. But I mean, what would it look like, you know, because the, the cool thing about that is like every, everything it's doing, you don't, know what it's, you don't know what's coming next. Are we about to go up again? Are we about to go down? Is it going to go into a corkscrew? We don't know. I don't know, you know. And, uh, you know, but what would it look like for us to be willing to be believers who live a life, who pray a prayer, mean it in our heart, where we say, God, your will be done. And we don't, we don't, have, any, we don't have any clue where that's going. We're just, we're just along for the ride. God, today your will be done. I don't know what's going to happen today. I've got some plans, but God, if you need to interrupt them, I'm game. That is, not, that is not the mentality we start most days with. The, the mentality we start most days with is like, I gotta get this done, I gotta get this done, I gotta get this done, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. But what if along the way God has something different in mind? Will we see it? Will we miss it? The prosperity gospel puts our suffering in vain. It makes us believe that if we are suffering, then God must not like us. And that's not true. That's not biblical. We know that. Furthermore, some things that we know are true is that God will provide for us, and he will look after us. So it's not all Debbie Downer here. It's, in fact, it's not Debbie Downer at all, in my opinion. I mean, you look at this for who God is and the promises that he's made, that he will provide for us, he will take care of us. Uh, he, you know, but it, it doesn't mean that we will have a ton of money in the bank. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I, I know for a fact there have been moments in my life when I can look back and go, I, I see why God didn't allow me to have any money right then. Because if I, you know, if God, had, if I had, you know, somebody had given me a winning lottery ticket or something, I'd been at Barrett Jackson the next week buying cars. We'd have, I'd probably buy some property over here by the church, have a big warehouse sitting on it. We'd go in there, be as big as the church building, be full of cars. We're like, like, well, let's go, let's go by the church, see the preacher. Maybe he'll take us for a ride and do some donuts for Jesus in the parking lot or something, you know. <laughs> Which I will do that anytime. You need to do that. If that's a part of your therapy, you need to talk. We need to do donuts for Jesus. That's fine. But sometimes we got to see that God knows what's best for us. 
And the situation that we're in right now, and I know some of you are in crazy situations right now, like right this second, you're like, but I had plans, we were doing this, and I had a promise for somebody on this. I'm just telling you, God's looking at you, and he's going, when you gonna trust me, come on. I got this roller coaster over here, it goes backwards. You wanna get on or not? I'm gonna blindfold you while we're at it. And in the middle, it turns into a metal one and it goes underwater and you'll drown for a little while and it's okay. I'm going to bring you back up, you know? We can't attach a sure material blessing with tithing and giving sacrificially. That's what the prosperity gospel is trying to do with people today. And it's building huge, some huge churches and all that. And again, there are some good things about some of those churches. But I'm telling you, the importance of us understanding this for what it is. And it's why you don't come to 24 and you don't hear me ever go, you know, well, hey, you know, if, uh, if you'll give more money today, God's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. You know, you won't ever hear me on the podcast saying, get out your credit cards. And just, just swipe them. Swipe them for $1,000. For $1,000, you'll get a blessing from Jesus. No, you'll get $1,000 on your credit card is what you're going to get, okay? It's important that we understand why this is a big deal because here's the truth. You and I have people in our lives that we love and we care for that have bought into some of this and they're being taken advantage of. I think... I think I hate even more the fact that they're being taken advantage of. I think I hate even more the fact that they're not seeing God for who he is. And they're making God into somebody who he's not. And they're making it about who they could be, what they could do to dictate God and maneuver God and play God like he's a video game or something. Here's a truth. This is great. It has to do with this same stuff. God does delight in cheerful givers. He really does. In fact, in Scripture, we see over and over where he's, he's coming at these people that are, they've been making offerings and doing these festivals and stuff, and he's like, please stop. Stop because you're doing it out of the wrong heart. Don't, don't do it because of those reasons. Don't do it because you feel guilty. Don't do it because you're trying to get me to do something. Do it because your heart's in the right place. And, and there's something amazing that happens. And we've and we've seen God, we've seen God take care of 24 church. I can't, you could talk to some of our finance team, talk to Deb sometimes. She could just tell you. Like there have been moments in the church's life where it's like, man, I don't know how that's gonna happen short of just a miracle from the Lord. And he has just provided just enough money, even for this church body to survive, to pay the bills, to help some people, to do whatever it is that God has called us and led us to do. And that's, that's just been based upon the faithfulness of people who love the Lord and are, I, I really believe, cheerful givers. They're praying over, and I hope you do. I hope you pray over when you, when you do give. I hope you pray over it and just say, God, take it and use it to do great ministry that you may be made known. We're not, we're not after trying to make 24 church known. We're after making Jesus known. You won't hear the prosperity guys say that. Second Corinthians says this. I want to read these two passages to you, and I think this will help us to figure out where some of these guys have come up with the God wants you to be rich stuff. So here it is. Second Corinthians 4, 16 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, check this out. This is a beast of a verse. It says, for this light momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction, and if you're going through something right now, that's, this, is, this, is, man, this, this couldn't be more for you. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That verse right there, it's doing it. I mean, that verse right there is helping us to see that in our suffering, 
light, momentary affliction, that God is wanting to use it to prepare us, preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In other words, our hope is not here. And that's hard for us to remember a lot of days. But our hope is not here. Our hope is in a kingdom yet to come. And what God is preparing for us goes on, it says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. They're transient. You, you know what that means? Like, they're going away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Okay? They are eternal. So here's the, here's the problem with the prosperity gospel and the teaching that God wants you to be rich and that you're going to be rich and that there are riches in Jesus. Because those are true statements. The problem is, they get the timing wrong. Because it's not about us being rich with money, money, money right now. It's about us being rich in eternity. And, and, and for, you know, for if we can think sensibly and take ourselves out of the here and now and, the, and all of the weight that we put into this world and everything that we've got going on in it right this second, if we can pull ourselves from that and see this for what it really is and see that God has promised us something that is coming, that is eternal, that far, far, far outweighs the here and now and oh God, I, man, it would just be awesome if I had enough money to buy this or do that or whatever it is, get that job and that thing and be with that person. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. <laughs> In other words, he's like, we can't come up with something to even remotely think about this comparing it to. We don't have anything here that works that way. It's going to blow our minds. I'll share one more with you. Revelation 21. You know what's getting serious when we go to Revelation, right? Revelation 21, verse 1, and it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And by the way, I, I love thinking about what's that going to be like. Is, that, is it literally going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth, or is he going to come and redeem this one? You think much about that? You thought much about that? Is heaven going to be right here, only God's going to change the whole thing? I don't know. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him and they will be his people and God himself will listen with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. And death will be no more. Thank you, Jesus. Neither shall there be mourning. Thank you, God. Nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Hmm. For myself, and I think most of us, on just about any given day of the week. If we could have that clarity to realize it's not about here and now. This is temporary. This will pass. And all of these things that we're, growing, we're going through, they are light, momentary afflictions. And, and, and we don't, we, it's hard for us to think, especially like we're in the middle of the tears and we're in the middle of the pain and we're in the middle of the death. Our world, this week, whether you live in this community and have dealt with the loss of this young man or you woke up on Monday morning and you saw what happened in Las Vegas 
or the earthquakes or the hurricanes. There's suffering all over, but it is a momentary affliction. The prosperity gospel leads people to believe. If you reverse engineer it, it leads people to believe that their suffering is in vain. And it's because God doesn't love them. And that's a bunch of junk. You try telling a parent that lost their child that God doesn't love them. I mean, those guys are never going to do that. They're not going to ever have those conversations, unfortunately. Unless it's in some aftermath, and then they say, well, you know, maybe if you just, you know, sacrifice a little more to God, or you give a little more to God, or whatever it is, then, then he'll bless you. Maybe he'll give you another child or something. That's some of the kind of stuff that is being said by some of these people, especially when they go overseas into some of these places. Why? Because they are getting their money, and it's an abomination, and it makes me mad. I hope it makes you mad too. Because it is not from the Lord and it is being dressed up like it is. Jesus didn't die for that. God sent Jesus to die for us to take the death that we deserve for our sin that if we believe in him and trust in him that we shall be saved. And folks, it is that simple. It is a gift. The more you give, the more you get is a bunch of junk. God already gave everything there is to get. And it is a gift, and it is by grace alone. And I praise God for that. Because we can't take away God's glory by trying to earn what he wants to give to us. I'll say that again. We can't take away God's glory for trying to earn what he wants to give to us. He's giving it. It's a gift. We can't earn it. Thank God. And that's why our suffering can bring glory to God. That's why our our money can bring glory to God. I mean, our lives. We were designed with the purpose to bring glory to God. Not see what we could get out of it. Not treat him like the 401k ATM machine. But to let God use us instead of us using him that we might be seen as Christ in this world. That's real light. I've seen some of that in this past week and although it's been in hard moments, I have been so grateful seeing God work through so many. This morning, we'll take the Lord's Supper together and be reminded of who God is and what he's done through his son Jesus. As we do so, I pray that in those moments that you would seek the Lord, ask him to show you, maybe in some small way in your life, maybe you're you're, you're treating God that way. Maybe, maybe you've seen him that way or whatever it is. And the truth is, is God just wants you to see him as the loving father that he is. He loves you. He cares for you. He sent his son to die for you. He wants to save you. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus to be your savior, I'm here to tell you, he died for you too. Doesn't matter how bad the stuff is you've done in this life. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to save you from your sin and from yourself. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would continue to help us to have a healthy understanding of who you are and what you've done. And God, that you would be glorified in us. God, thank you for allowing us to serve you, to love you, most importantly, to be saved by you. God, thank you for the work that you've done through your son, Jesus. God, I pray anybody that is listening to this right now that hasn't trusted in you for that, God, I pray that they would, and God, that you would help them to understand, help us to help them understand, let them know we're here for them. 
Lord. Thank you for your son. In your name I pray, amen.